0: Good morning, we are in Sefer Shofetim, the 17th chapter today. We finish the, finish the story of Shimshon. For a minute, for one minute, I want to discuss and analyze the end of Shimshon's downfall. I read a beautiful commentary by Rabbi Michael Hatton, or Michael Hatton, I, know, I don't know if he's a rabbi. It doesn't say rabbi on his book. Uh, this is by Magid Publishers. Uh, if anybody from Magid hears this, please, please come out with a book on Shimuel because these books are amazing. Um, he Rabbi points Michael. out, it is Rabbi? Okay. Rabbi Michael Hatton. He says that what Shimshon is most suffering from is a crisis of identity. Mm-hmm. How did Shimshon earn his identity as a Nazir? Straight. No, how did he earn his identity? Who gave him the identity oh, of a Nazir? Hashem. Hashem, from when? Before birth. Before birth. So he grows up with this Nazir identity. And one of Shimshon's problems is that while the Nazir identity requires him to separate from Tuma, and maybe from lustful like, behaviors also, he has very, very, very strong eyes, or his eyes and his desire for what his eyes see is extremely overpowering. So he has this crisis between his Nazirut status, which is given to him, and what he truly has this desire for deep down, and he doesn't know who is his true self. He doesn't know if he is the good Jewish shimshon or the Pilishti shimshon who likes the sexual behaviors. And that's his crisis. And whenever he marries Delilah, or he's, when we see his downfall, and he starts to give in to his sexual side by marrying Delilah, by going with the, Gaz- with the Gazan woman, he's giving in to the pelishti side. And as Delilah asks him for the source of his strength He's almost giving the answer on purpose Because deep down he wants to shed his identity of the Nazirut He can't handle that identity of the Nazirut anymore So he's trying to shed it So he's slowly, slowly giving up on that identity By giving in her and telling her um, Where the strength comes from So she could take it away from him And he could be free of the, of the burden of responsibility That he doesn't want anymore But then when he gets caught They gouge out his eyes And like he said Why would they gouge out his eyes? Because that was the source of his downfall The source of his inability to know His true identity of the Nazir Was because he was going after The pursuit of his eyes He was going after what his eyes desired And that was bad So They gouge out his eyes And only once he loses that temptation By having his his eyes gouged out What starts to happen again? His hair grows back and he starts to regain his true identity, and then Shimshon's identity. He, he concludes his life by manifesting his truest identity, which is to be the leader of Ben Israel and not to give in to the ways of the Pelishtim, by being like them sexually, but by fighting against them and causing and bringing their downfall. That is the story of Shimshon, according to Rabbi Michael Hatton. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful commentary on the story. Okay, chapter seventeen, the the end of the book of Shoftim is five chapters of Bnei Israel behaving in a very weird way. Bnei Israel, we see how into Abu Dazara they were. Remember from the story of Gidon? How much the people were into Abu Dazara, that they were upset at him for destroying Abu Dazara. And then <coughs> they called him Yirubal, saying Baal should fight you. So we see two stories at the end. One is the story of Pesel Micha or Miha, if you want to say it correctly, Pesel or And one is the story of Pilegesh Begiv'a. Both stories talk about Bnei Israel acting and behaving like the Goyim around them, whether in the form of serving Abu Dazara, in the form of uh, wanton destruction of innocent peoples, or in the form of sexual behaviors, that they behave almost like Sidon. And what that shows you is that Bnei Israel have finally reached their their downfall. Now in terms of chronology of these stories, at the end of the book, according to Rashi, they actually happened very early on in the, in the story of the book of Shofatim, Meaning chronologically, they're actually at the very beginning of the book of Shofatim. However, they're put at the end of the book to lead into the book of Shemuel. Because the book of Shemuel talks about how Bore Olam brought leadership back to B'nai Israel. And one of the sources of the problems that we see in the Pesel story and the Pilegash B'givah story is that en melech v'Yisrael ish hayashad there was no king in Israel. Everybody did, <laughs> everybody did what they wanted. There was no leadership to train Bnei Israel how to not give in to the goyim around them. That was the problem. So, so what, they, what, what is, seems to be happening is that Shofetim showing Bnei Israel's downfall and their deterioration to this point where we're about to see of all this Abu Dazara behavior and the sexual behavior. That's a lead into the book of Shemuel which is how the, this was corrected. This was all corrected by the proper leadership of Shemuel and then eventually David Melech. Okay, And that's why, by the way, it's important to know that the book of Shemuel and the book of Shophetim were both written by Shimuel, Shimuel which it, you could see in the fact that the Shofatim is kind of like a prelude to the book of Shimuel, which tells about the successful leadership. If Shofatim ends on a note of Bnei Israel being in complete disarray and having no leadership, Shimuel is the book of how the leadership became consolidated under David Melech. Okay, Perek Yudzayin, Chapter Seventeen. By he, There was a man from the mountain of Ephraim, and his name was Michayahu. Michayahu, Michayu. sorry, Michayahu. You're right. <laughs> um, <coughs> the Chachamim say that typically when they have the who at the end of their name, it's a Sadik. So they say at this point in his life, he was a Sadiq. Okay. Bayomar Elef Kesef he says to his mother, this guy named Micha, he says to yeah, his mother, the 1,100 <coughs> silver coins that were taken from you, uh, uh, and you cursed the person, and you told me also that he's cursed. By the way, I have the money. Meaning it was me who took it. And he says to his mother, and the mother says, My son is blessed to God. Yeah, what is he talking? What's going on here? Okay? The, the story doesn't do a good job of, of preparing you, of introducing what's going on, but the backstory a woman lost is her that money, a, woman, a woman lost her money, and she said, Cursed is the person who stole it. Happens to be that the person who stole it is her son named Micha. The son goes up to her and says, The money that you lost, I'm the one who stole it. Uh, I feel bad, and here is, <coughs> here is the money. <coughs> and in response, he says, "Blessed is my son to God. Blessed is my son to Hashem." That's what he says. Okay. That's what she says. That's what she says. Yeah, sorry. That's what she says. Blessed is my son to God. Okay. Um, it's uh, by the way. Notice the one thousand one hundred silver coins that he stole. What is that similar to? The one thousand one hundred coins that were offered to Delilah, I think. Oh. It's the same thing. It could be another reason why the stories are back to back. Look in the article; it brings it down in the note. He returns the 1,100 yeah. silver coins to his mother She says, I have given the silver as an offering to Adonai, to God from my hand It sounds good, right? I've given it to God to do To make a molten image and now, I'm going to give it to you, my son, to go, buy the, to go make the molten image with it they're very confused because you're talking about Hashem, and then go back Ah, out. exactly. You see how confused they are. This is a combination of Abu Hashem with being influenced external. by the goyim around them. Yeah. And so Simulation. you see you see it's called syncretism. And you see and and the next generation in, uh, even, uh, even Yeah. What he returns the money to his mother, but the time toref, she gives 200 more coins, she gives I it to it. the toref, to the person the the the, the smith guy. Silver smith. The silversmith, and he uh, he made it, the smith made it into a molten image and it was in the house of Mikha. elohim he, he made a house of worship. Why but, it say maybe because he now made a house of worship and he became like a respected man and he made other things like an ephod and he made idols and then he gave he made one of his sons a kohen in those days there was no king in Israel every man would do what he pleased first and that's the first time it's going to say it four times in the coming five chapters Okay? And this is an example. No leadership. B'nai Israel are serving God. They think they're serving God, but they're really doing Abu zarah, And that's a problem. Because it's an interjection of the text. It's an interjection. It's saying, by the way, in those days there was no king. You know?